It is a joy to be with you today. Um, several months ago, uh, Pastor Ryder called and said, would you be interested, would you be willing to come to Medina? And uh, I said, yeah, that would be, that would be good. I, I, I've always, I've known Pastor for a long time. We, we go back to a Kansas connection. And, um, I always knew he took this Sunday off. I never anticipated I'd be filling in his place. And, uh, he said, I would use Raynard, but you never know where the guy's going to be. He's just, uh, he's got these kids all over the country that he has to go see. I don't think he goes to see the kids. He goes to see the grandkids, but, uh, that's good. Raynard and I are great friends. Sharon and my wife are, are, are good friends. My wife is not with me today. Um, this is our pastor's final Sunday. She's retiring after today. And my wife has a special connection with her. And, uh, that's not why she wanted to go to our church. She want, she wanted to go to the potluck. And that was, uh, she just, she's just one who won't miss a potluck. And that's just how she is. But, uh, so she's not with us today. And when Peter asked if I would be interested in filling in, I thought this will probably be like the time he invited me to be on his golf team on a scramble. He invited me one time and he's never invited me again. And I haven't figured that out. And, um, so I'm hoping that today this won't be one of those, uh, days where he says, man, that's the last time I use that guy. And, uh, and you might even say that as well. Well, anyways, it is good to be with you. It's good to worship him. And, um, even on the last Sunday of the year, uh, holiday weekend, a lot of plans, a lot of activities. Maybe you were busy last weekend and you're going to be just as busy this weekend, but you're here today. And I really believe God has a word that he wants to speak into your life. It may be a word that I pronounce and you hear. It just may be a word that he just puts on your heart. Would you take that and just listen to it and uh, be responsive to what he wants to say and is going to say to you today? I want to start with this. I, I came across this. You may have seen this along the way. It says, Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your heart. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your heart. Life is hard. Following Christ is hard. Choose your heart. I have no idea what that has to do with the message, but it sure sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, yeah. Choose your heart. We all make those choices. And again, this is a time of the year when we do make some new choices. Uh, we are making, as, as Tyler said, resolutions for the new year. Uh, what might those be? Uh, all of them should be hard. I liked what Pastor Pete said about uh, fasting this next, uh, these 21 days, finding a time. Choose something that you will miss, something that you depend on. Uh, make a tough choice, hard choice. Uh, 
to what it is that you're going to fast. But we are always making changes. We are always making choices with our lives and, and in our lives. My father-in-law, um, many, many years ago, just after I married my wife, and we were sitting out on, on his farm and on the back end of a pickup, and he was just just talking. And I don't know what he was, why he was saying this, but boy, I've listened to it. I don't know if he's saying, I don't get it or something I need to learn. Uh, I did learn from his conversation. He says, when I make choices, I talk to as many people as I can. And as I listen, I take the best of everything I hear, and then I make my choice. We're always making choices. We, we, that's just part of living and, and part of life. I like the choices that I get to make that are 100% mine and all about me. When I retired, I made, uh, I made some declarations. I made some choices in my life that, um, I'm no longer at the mercy of a telephone. I, 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 I don't need to respond to every situation and circumstance that, that comes my way. I, I spent 40 plus years in ministry before that. I, I was in private business. Uh, and, um, I said, you know, I think when I retire, I'm only going to do the things I want to do. I hear people talk about how busy they get when they retire, and they're just saying, I'm, I'm busier now than when I, when I was working. I, and I said to myself, I'm not going to be that guy. So I'm just going to say no to just about everything somebody asked me. It was kind of interesting because I made that declaration, and three weeks after, actually four weeks after I retired, the district superintendent called and said, Bernie, um, now you can say no if you want to. He said, I'm, I just, I, I just, but would, would you consider, and this is July 3rd, he said, would you, would you consider preaching in Sandusky tomorrow on July 4th? And I felt so good because my district super, I'm a team guy all the way. I said, Wendell, no. That felt so good to say no and also to say to my district superintendent. What a wonderful experience that was. We talked for a little bit longer. I ended up preaching two services in Sandusky the next day. But uh, but I chose to do that. I didn't do it because <laughs> he said, ask me to do it. I can honestly say over the last year and a half, there's really only one thing that I did not want to do that I did. What a freedom that is to be able to just call your own shots. I like those kinds of decisions. That decision was to preach at a family reunion. I said, I don't want to do that. And I felt sorry for the, for the person heading it up. So I did preach that one, but it's been a joy to make your own decisions, your own choices and to live them out and, and uh, to do that. We make decisions sometimes based on all the, the surrounding circumstances in our life and what's going on. And, uh, you know, we just, I've got to make that decision. I've got to do that. Um, we, we'd make some decisions that have moral ramifications. If I do this, ugh, it's not going to look good for me on the God side of the equation. Um, 
And when we look at scripture and we look at choices that we make with our personal lives and the things that we do, uh, the scripture's pretty cut and dry, pretty to the point of how we should be making our decisions. Um, Psalm 1 says to, you have a choice between two paths. You can, you can follow the path that everybody walks, the sinners walk. We'll just call, say it for that, or just the world walks. Or you can choose a path that, um, delights in the law of God and, and the ways of God. And he says, you can make that choice. What choice are you going to make? Um, and if you choose the one, um, it has staying power. Walking with God uh, keeps us going, keeps us on the uh, in, a, in a right frame of mind and, and attitude, um, and we prosper there. Choose the other way, the way of the world, and well, you just don't know what's going to be at the end of the path or at the end of the, the way. The Lord, in that same uh, Psalm one, says, "The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." See, there's no middle ground as we walk with God. So that's why making that choice to follow God is a hard choice. There are times we make choices and we find ourselves in conflicts with, with other people. Do you know that every decision you make for you is good because you like that? That's, it's, it works for you. It, it, you know, whatever your circumstances are, it's good. And you find somebody that has a conflicting, um, spirit or choices and and you look at that person and you judge them and you wonder about them and you say boy they just don't get it but you know from their perspective they're making good choices they're doing what they feel is right for them and so we sometimes find ourselves making our good choices in conflict with someone else's good choices we we form opinions of those other people see we all feel like we're good. No matter who's on the other side, they think they're good too. So we find ourselves in that kind of position. Every religion thinks if you would just adhere to their ways, you'll go to heaven. You'll find paradise. You'll find something good on the other side. And every religion says, just follow our ways. And with that, if that's the truth, if that is truth, no one gets to heaven and no one gets to paradise because we think you need to do it this way and that way. I'm not discounting scripture, by the way, so don't tell Pete I'm, I'm a heretic or anything like that. Um, but anyways, we, we look at things and we see our choices and, and we see how we are different from those who are around us. And we live in a very crucial time in history, when um, we do have to make some pretty sharp choices. We find ourselves without a middle ground. I said this, oh, this came to me as I'm here talking. I can remember walking down the hallway of the church that I was pastoring in, and I said to myself, man, I have never seen the world in such bad shape. And here I am in my 60s, I'm saying that thing. Who in the world am I to say in my whole life, I've never seen it this bad? But I want to just tell you, the world's in a crazy shape. The world is messed up. 
there are some so much con- there's so much conflict that's going on, and uh, we have to make some very critical choices in how we are going to live and how we are going to be. There's times when we make our decisions. We feel this sense of conflict within us. And we wonder, am I making the right decisions? Am I willing to do what I know I should do? Am I willing to put myself out? Am I willing to say yes and not have any conditions that go with it and make it possible? As we make those kinds of decisions that need to be clear-cut and firm, it determines who we are on the inside. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of James, James chapter 3. And um, would you stand as we would reverence the reading of his word this morning? James chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitterness, envy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I'm hoping in the next 21 days you have because you're asking of God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know your friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Let's pray. Father, we hear your words this morning. We hear the truth that you are speaking into our life. There are things of this passage that we could easily accept and recognize and say, yeah, I'm good with that. There may be some things in this passage that we would concur are are so right. But truthfully, we struggle. We try to figure it out. We try to make up the right way and try to follow that. 
when deep down it's really not who we are. So as we read this word this morning, would you allow us to be open to you, to your voice, that which you want to say to us and put in us even today? Father, we want you to know we love you. We know you've got some great things in store for each and every one of us. And as we've worshipped through song this morning, we've been reminded of how great you are. Isaiah says, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And you give strength, and you give wisdom. You give understanding to those who come before you as we come before you today. And we know that you're going to lift us to a new elevation, to a new realm in our life and in your kingdom. Oh, I like that passage uh, that we read as, as a responsive reading. Your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven right now. We don't have to wait till we die to, to experience all that you have in store for us. you got great things here. You're strengthening us. Father, we thank you for the report that Peter sent back to the church, how they've appreciated so much the prayers for the family during this week. We lift them to you one more time. Knowing that you know their needs, you know exactly where they're at, exactly what they're going through. Would you fill them with your spirits? May they be aware today of your presence in their life, even as they worship you. May they know you're with them. And may they know that you're the everlasting God who is always with them. And I don't need, know all the needs of this congregation that, that I'm speaking to. And I just pray that whoever has that urgent need, that urgent desire their heart, would you give it to them today? Would you, would you satisfy them? Would you let them know that whatever the decision, whatever it is they're going through, you're already there, and you're going before them, and you've got great things in store for them. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's about two kinds of wisdom. One wisdom is marked by envy. It's marked by selfish ambition, deceit. And the other is by peaceful, gentleness, and mercy. Two extremes on the continuum. They're, they're exclusive. They're mutually exclusive. Um, and James says, if you want to live the way the world wants to live, I just want you to know that you're an enemy of mine. You've chosen, you've chosen to not follow me. There's no middle ground here. And James is so aware that we have to make the right decisions that are not about us, but about who we are and what we're becoming. James is saying, show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. See, wisdom is not necessarily 
what's going on in our minds and in our heads and what we're thinking or even what we're saying. It's how we live, how we're projecting ourselves, how we're showing ourselves in our world. And uh, if there's any envy in our life, if there's any self-centered ambition, if there's lying to get our way, if there's, there's boastfulness of, of who we are, it reveals that our wisdom has been uh, corrupted, um, contaminated, as it were. And wisdom like that, a way of life, of who we are, it comes from the devil. But real wisdom, according to James, says, first of all, is pure. It's a, it's a, it's a wisdom that the mind thinks holy thoughts. When I was an accountant many, 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 many years ago, I was going through a review and, and my boss was, as he was reviewing me, he came across one of the questions and, um, what does, what does, what do I think about my job? What do I think about my position? What do I think about my role and my responsibility? And he said something to the fact that, you know, he says, as I interpret that, does he go down the hall thinking debit, credit, debit, credit as an accountant? That's constantly thinking about my job. What about our lives and our, our, our inner thoughts? Are we constantly thinking holy thoughts? You know, I can, I can, I can do good things. I can show myself by good works. But what is in the heart? What's down deep in who I am? Wisdom is pure. Thinking of those things that are holy. It's peaceable. You get, it gets along with other people. How many people have that person in their life that you just wish they wouldn't come around you? How many have those people that you see them walking down the street and you say, I hope they turn into the store before I get there? We have those things. We have those individuals. But wisdom that comes from God lives at peace with those that we're in conflict with. And not only is it between man and man, but it's between ourselves and God. As we live peaceful lives, it brings everyone around us closer to God. James goes on to say that this wisdom is considerate. It's listening to the other person. It's anticipating those who are different than us. It doesn't judge the other person based on who we are. That's the easiest thing we can do in our life is to judge someone else. It's so easy to look at them and, and have a, a feeling and an attitude towards them. How many times do we see someone who fails and we say, serves them right? They had it coming. My question is, did they really? Are we glad that it happened to them? Are we, are we at a point in our relationships with others 
that we can't wait to see them fail. I can remember a time I was playing softball, and this one guy on the other team was just eating our lunch. If we hit the ball to left field and he was playing right field, he caught the ball. I mean, he was all over the place. Every time he got up to bat, he got a hit, and he always got extra bases out of it. And he was chasing the ball. I can't remember who hit it. didn't make any difference, but he twisted his ankle. And I said, oh, good. So glad he went down. I'm thinking, how rude can a person be to be glad somebody got hurt, that somebody failed? Lessons learned this way. How many times do we see those people? Are we considerate of those that we come in contact with? Are we submissive? Are we willing to listen to the other side? Are we, are we willing to listen to those who may be making poor decisions? I was talking to a pastor recently, and as we're talking, they said something about one of their parishioners. And they said, I just don't get it. Everything I tell this person to do does the opposite of what I told them to do. What's wrong with them? I said, don't worry about it. Let them be who they are. Let them make their own decisions. Um, Don't get on their case. Walk beside them. Be with them. Full of mercy, good fruits. Um, When a person's in trouble, be there. Be a part of them. I think as as I was listening to Pastor Pete, 21 days of prayer, praying for yourself, praying for the, the body of Christ, praying for the community. What a great opportunity to open yourself, to avail yourself, to be merciful, and to, to dispel good fruit upon those who are around you. Um, He says to not be impartial. We know who we are. We know what we believe. Stand strong for for your convictions. Stand strong for those things that that hold you together. But even still, be ready. Do not create distinctions between yourselves and others. I was talking to a pastor, another pastor recently as well, and they said, you know, we're, we're trying to get a, a ministerial going in our community, and we're just, we're just not making it. He, he said, churches don't want to get along with one another. Other pastors don't want to be together. He said, did you know that there is a denomination that actually tells their pastors and their people, you cannot associate with other Christian churches and other church Christian groups. A denomination. And the pastor lives by that, that ruling. He, his people live by that as well. They do not associate with anyone who doesn't think and believe just like them. We are different than those around us. We're different than those who are in our community, yes. But you know, we don't show partiality. We reach out to them. We treat them as we would want to be treated. We accept everyone without judgment and sincere 
wisdom that is sincere, without hypocrisy. It does not deal with deception. It's honest. Who are you at home? Who are you at work? Who are you when no one else sees you? Wisdom that is from God is sincere, and it does not act to get its own. Oh, it's so good to be here today because I don't know you. Uh, Raynard's not here. Sharon's not here. Pete and Rebecca aren't here. And so I, I just, I just, I'm just going to tell you, as you deal as a church and as a people, are your interactions with one another about you or about the kingdom? Is it about what you can gain and your power and uh, what authority you can you can hold over others, or are you in this for the good of the kingdom? Great mess, great responsive reading today, Tyler. I can hang on to Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, because God wants us to experience heaven today, and it's come. When we read Revelation, we we see that. You see a new Jerusalem coming down. That's a future tense as well as a present tense. Jesus would not have taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, if it wasn't a right now experience and opportunity for every one of us. And as we interact with one another, as we make choices individually and corporately, we do it not to serve ourselves, but the kingdom. When we make those decisions about ourselves, it's showing to others that true wisdom is absent in our lives. See, we can't be aligned with the world and with God at the same time. We must be aligned with God and God alone. Friendship with the world must be avoided um, at all cal- at all cost. We serve Him. And live for him. So how's this king, this, how's this wisdom acquired in our lives? How do we get to that point where, where our, our wisdom is pure when, <clears throat> when it is peace loving and considerate and impartial? If you allow me to back up a little bit, I want to get a running start into how do we acquire th- this type of wisdom. Take your Bibles, if you would, and Turn back to Old Testament passage found in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. The children of Israel have been exiled. They've been carried away into captivity. They're wondering if their lives are ever going to matter again. Where is this God that we have served, that we have called on? Where is he? And God shows up to them in this passage. He says, listen. He says in Ezekiel 36, 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you, 
and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my commandments. This is what God's going to do. He's going to clean us. He's going to sprinkle water all over us in abundance. I, uh, one day I was, uh, one of my houses, I had put in a new lawn. And so I had the sprinkler going. And uh, late at night I thought, oh, man, I got the water running. I went out in the backyard and, and there's just water flowing all over the place. Saturated, overflowing, flooding. That's what God does and wants to do in our lives. He wants to sprinkle us clean, keep the water on. And he, and when he remembers at 11 o'clock to turn the water off, he's going to keep it on. He's going to sprinkle us clean. But he also says, I'm going to put a new heart in you. I'm going to put a heart in you that has been renewed by my spirit, by my grace. I'm going to put a heart in you that you are going to want to live by the principles that I put forth. You're going to have a new will. You're going to desire to fulfill my purposes for your life. I'm going to give you new attitudes. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a new desire to serve me. Paul talks about the new man, the new creature. God begins that work, making it possible for us to, to to live out this sense of wisdom and choice-making by putting a new heart in our life first. He says, and you know, if I'm going to do that, you need to know i got to take something away from you. It's the old heart. I've got to take that fleshy, that hardened heart, that stony heart, and remove it from you. See, that old stony heart has no desire to change. It's it. There's no um, it. It's in. There's no uh, uh, impentance. There's no desire to and need to change. And it's natural to man. It's you go out the street. I, I was coming in today, and yeah, it was good weather. It's supposed to be good going home too. But I, I was watching people. I was looking at cars that were past me. I think, are they going to church or are they going somewhere else? Maybe they're going to be a family. It didn't make any difference. I wasn't judging. I just want to know what the, what's going on. I drove a couple places through a couple places where people were working in their yards, uh, splitting wood or whatever they were doing. And it's like, I want them to be a follower of Jesus, but are they? See, the natural man is going to follow their own ways. And the more they follow their own ways, the harder their heart becomes. Um, and that old heart, that old those old desires cannot be removed because I just want to be different today. It can only change because God comes in and intervenes and, and does the work in our life. It's not going to be what pastor does for you. It's not going to be what the church is able to say particularly, but it's going to be a work of God and God alone giving us the new life, taking the old. And before we can make and acquire true wisdom, 
God has to do something here first. Question is, do you have a new heart? Or do you have a hardened heart that's only about yourself and your own desires and not the things of God? Before you can be display any wisdom or to be called into that aspect of living, God has to do a work in your life. And then we can follow up what James has to say in verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he and God will come near to you. Resist the devil. When you resist the devil, he flees from you. But you also, in that submission, draw closer to God. I'm tempted at times. I'm not doing that. That's not me. It's not what, and and the enemy knows how to tempt me. He knows how to tempt you. He knows where you're the weakest. And I can say, I'm not doing that. He leaves me for a while. But there's an extra step that I'd like to take, draw near to him. Let the enemy go further away as I get closer to the Father. And let him live in my life. We distance ourselves from the enemy as we draw closer to God. And allow him and trust him to do in our life that which he needs and wants to do. We submit to him because he is the one power that can be trusted. We can trust him without any doubt. We can trust him to drive away the enemy. We can trust him to draw near to us. We can rely on him to provide the wisdom that we need to make the decisions that we make and the choices that we take. God can be trusted. As I was thinking of that passage out of Isaiah that I read earlier, thinking of some of the questions that the exiles were asking, and God just proves himself over and over to them, I can be trusted. I created all these things around you. I can trust you. You're tired. You're weary. You're you're struggling. I don't. The Father says, I never grow weary. I never grow faint. I am always with you. I know what's best for you. Just stay close to me. Wait on me. And God will give you the wisdom that you desire. A couple of passages and then I'm finished, that I live by and I want to just share with you. Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is steadfast on him. You can trust him. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. Colossians 1.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental force, spiritual forces of this world, rather, rather than on Christ. We make choices. Our choices to follow God are hard. Had an argument. Yeah, maybe it was an argument. I think it was with one of my members many, many years ago. He said, it's so easy to be a Christian. I said, it's so hard to be a Christian. Oh, no, pastor, you're wrong. I said, no, I think I'm right. It's easier just to live the way the world wants you to live. It's easier to not have to make a choice to follow him. The hard choice is to follow him. Yeah, but he gives you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit enables you to to be victorious, and he was right. But still, we have to make the choice. Are we going to say yes and be obedient to the Holy Spirit when he speaks into our life? You're going into a new year. You were reminded that uh, today. You've been reminded of it for several, several weeks now. And uh, you're going to make some resolutions that are easy. Uh, two of mine are going to be, I'm going to eat more and exercise less. And uh, I think I can do that. See how easy it is to make a decision? No. I'm going to continue to exercise more. And I'm going to take some of this weight that I got because my wife made 14 different types of cookies this year. I'm going to take the next month to try to get rid of those extra pounds. Those are hard choices. The hard choice is to follow Christ and to live for him and to be obedient. To live the way he wants you to live, not the way you want to live. As I draw to a close, I'm thinking of an, an individual in one of my churches. He said to me, one day he says, you know, I, I have no use for that guy right there. I says, that's not your choice. You can't choose that. It doesn't fit to what we're talking about here. It doesn't fit into the ways that God wants us to live. The choice is ours. Are we going to choose the hard way and follow him? Or are we going to follow the ways of the world? So as we come to an end of a service like today, the choice is yours. What are you going to do? How are you going to live? And I'm believing that as you choose going into the new year to be a part of 21 days of prayer, that you're going to see some incredible things happen in your life. Psalm 1, the way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. Choose, choose right. Choose good today.